Bondzilla presents King Kong. Each week we dive into the world of King Kong. This week the obscure sequel to the original classic. From 1933, it's Son of Kong. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bondzilla Presents. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, we are back to uh, the King Kong side of things. Uh, and we're fast approaching uh, a brand new uh, King Kong film into this kind of canon that we are talking about. Uh, it's, it's, it's tantalizingly close. Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just the reason it's kind of like taken me aback now, too. It's like because it's also like it's like the infamous one year anniversary of everything that's been going on in the world. Too. Yeah. And I was having this conversation with. So actually, this will be fun to the listeners is that Nick and I, we always just, you know, uh, you know, mess around and talk about like just random crazy story ideas that this would be funny or you know like oh this would be a funny story idea and then i was explaining this to somebody that we used to do this and one of the ideas that we came up with was um like the characters are waiting for like some sort of big movie like you like think like like Endgame, the next Star Wars, like when The Force Awakens was coming out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, and they couldn't wait. So then they're like, all right, well, we're going to get into a time machine. And this one person's like, well, I'll stay back because I can wait. And I'll see you guys when you get to the other side. He's like, all right, let's hop into a time machine. We're going to go to opening day. And then they go. And then when they and when they're on the other side like society and the world had collapsed and it's like Mad Max and all they wanted to do was go to a movie. And then as I was explaining that to this person, this person was like, because this was also me talking about the fact that, you know, Godzilla versus Kong was coming out. And they're like, well, I mean, that's not too dissimilar <laughs> than what actually if you did that now. That's actually funny. <laughs> I forgot about that one. I forgot about that story because when you talked about people outside the movie, for some reason, my mind immediately went to the one where the other time travel one that we had where the guy goes back in time to stop all the bad Terminator movies and then comes back and nobody remembers Terminator. That's my other one. So so to, to give you context, that one came out of my theory that one of the good reasons for bad sequels is that you always it makes the first one always look better. Mm -hmm. So like you like if anything, that's why I don't believe in that a, a bad sequel ruins a film, because if anything, time and time again, the go to is always like, well, this is why the first one is great. Like no matter how many bad diehard movies there are. What does everybody say? It's like, yeah, and this is why that the first one is awesome. So it's yeah. never ruined. So it came out of that. So I had the idea that if you went back, you went forward in time, 
without the sequels to like bad Terminator movies, then Terminator just becomes a good, just one of many movies that were good. <laughs> like, so it's like, you know, it's like, oh yeah. So you do like a Terminator reference and you're like, well, what, what's that from? He's like, Terminator, Terminator, the, the James Cameron movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was the robot. He came back in time. And you know, like, like hasta la vista, like all, all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. That was a, that's a gem. That's a then, gem of a film. And then, and then, then he would be like, no. Well, that's the thing too, where it's like, it's like, I wonder if they're ever gonna like re like. That's like the one where it's like, oh, it's been a while. Like you know, those first two movies, I guess were, I guess they were pretty good. Like, don't you? I wonder if they could make a new one now. And you're like, you're like, no, like that's so. What, what so what we were talking about is that I, I added on to it where then the person has to go back in time and make sure those sequels get made <laughs> so that now they have to make all the bad sequels to terminator right it's it's a, it's a <laughs> i mean it's, it's a really a truly back to the future situation but but getting back to th this getting back to our present it, it, it one of the things that was funny it's like but could you imagine like you know oh we can't wait Godzilla vs. Kong keeps on getting delayed. We got it, like, you know, we're going to just go to opening day. And then you go to opening day, and then, like, really, like, what it would be like now, it's like you go to the theater, and then you're like, wow, the theater is, like, not as packed. I mean, you know, I know not everybody loved King of the Monsters, but, like, I, I feel like there would be more people here. And, like, what? what why is everyone wearing a mask? <laughs> <laughs> like you, you go up to somebody you're like stay away and it's like what happened in the past year especially if like you did like a thing where just like you're just like a special time machine where you just punch in a movie and it brings you to the opening day which would actually be a pretty sick time machine both and ways you know and you know what would happen too it's like you know amc probably would have something like because of all like the awful current events there would be something like you like amc as a company do, does not tolerate hate for any b background or whatever and then you'd be what happened in the past year <laughs> like you would be so confused it's crazy again it's crazy to go back a year to our our news segment about like the initial delay of uh um no time to die and just really realize just how naive we were back then and but like so but yeah so it is but it is cool to finally have this movie come out and for a couple different reasons i mean already you're you're you know obviously warner brothers is doing their thing where it's like you know they're releasing it streaming as well as theaters but i gotta hand it to them they are really pushing the marketing yeah on the on this film like i i am kind of impressed by the fact that it was like a full-on marketing like at least they're marketing as if it was normal times right well which I, mean, I thought it was very interesting they gotta they gotta keep all those snyder cut subscribers you know they gotta say like hey like you know obviously stay on for kong versus godzilla and then there will be other you know keep on moving keep on you know, we're not going to have more four-hour Snyder cuts for you, but we do well, have Kong versus Godzilla. But it is funny because Warner Brothers, you know, and you you can always dissect like this method that they're doing. But it is interesting that they're the ones that are kind of like now they're ahead of the game of basically following a release window of tentpole films. Because mm -hmm. then you had the family tentpole film with Tom and Jerry a couple weeks ago, and this one's 
essentially being marketed as the year's first blockbuster film. right like that it's taken the slot that we normally see of just like it's like the first like you know big movie of the year sort of thing that you always kind of see like you know usually at the end of march beginning of april like that's usually when we say hey like the prelude to the summer movie season and they're kind of sticking with it and it is really cool again people start talking about it there's already i'm already seeing like it's a thing where like I like when a movie like this already has like memes and joke tweets. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. like the one where like it's like the IMAX poster and someone edited it where Kong and Godzilla are kissing, mm-hmm. and some weird thread where somebody like did a fake review of the movie where they talked about like they talked about the movie like very earnestly, but they're like they made this fake twist where Kong and Godzilla are both like shrunk down like to miniature size, but like they kept going of like oh yeah and like you know. Uh, the effects were really good, you know, except for like when they call through the miniature city, because again, Kong and Godzilla are just super small. This, but just like the idea that the memes are coming and they're here. Well, I, but this kind of goes back to what we were saying about the movie before and like the initial um, reaction to like the the trailer is like I there the marquee value of Godzilla versus Kong just seems way more attractive to everybody. Because I know people who, not who ha- or haven't are not Godzilla or Kong fans, and haven't necessarily been huge fans of of these films, these most recent MonsterVerse films. But even they're getting in on like the fun mm-hmm. of being like, oh yeah, it's like Kong, and like why can't they get? It's like why can't they get along? And like so, it's like it is interesting that it's just again we had talked about it many times. It's just the the name value. And the recognizability of it just speaks more to people than I think any of the previous films have. And then there's also, you you do get the sense that this film may be marketing more so in a no-nonsense way. Yeah. Because I actually think that every legendary Warner Brothers have like done a bang-up job with all these films and I think have marketed the films really well. But this one seems to be the selling the you're gonna watch these two punch each other yeah for for the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure because i think obviously like because again you do go back like the godzilla and the king of the monsters both have this sort of like again sort of the uh like a kind of there's a rethrow or just kind of like the kind of more thematic trailers yeah like, like the like 2014 is like all about like you know it's like the grim gritty reboot vibe then king of the monsters is doing its whole like monster opera thing and uh yeah and then and then even like uh even kong skull island like the marketing obviously had the big shots of godzilla or sorry kong but it really was like that was the movie that was focused it's like we have like samuel L. jackson and tom hiddleston and brie larson like there there was kind of that vibe of like that one actually really focused on sort of the human and like the 70s vibe as opposed to like showing you kong like fighting stuff like you know like we didn't really know about any of the other monsters in that movie where they're really selling this on it's monster versus monster icon versus icon like they're selling it like it is john cena versus the rock like that's how they're marketing it and i think it's working and it'll be interesting to see hey you know what it's getting me to subscribe to hbo yeah Max. yeah yeah i did i i i um i pulled the trigger on it the the other night yeah i gotta i gotta i gotta do it this week but i really Honestly, and this is really petty of me, and there's no reason for me to say this. I really didn't want to make it seem like I was going in for the Snyder, <laughs> for the Snyder cut because I was thinking about like doing it this week, 
And I was like, no, like I have to wait till like closer to Congress is Godzilla because I don't want me to be like, look at how many people signed up to watch the Snyder Cut. I just couldn't do that to myself, even though I'm glad that people had fun with the Snyder Cut. I'm glad that there's, uh, you know, some fun to be had with it. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm not like anti DC, everybody. I just I just couldn't do that. I couldn't I couldn't do that to myself. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's super exciting. I can't wait for it to come out. And um, and uh, again, keeping in still like our own ethics of how we deal with this. So I won't get into the details of it. But did you see that like Adam Wingard has officially uh, uh, did the DGAF on details of the movie? No, I did not. Yeah, I, I I think basically even the the makers behind the movie have just gotten rid of all pretense of like that there's like some secret like you know behind the movie. Yeah, no, I've been I haven't been keeping an, I haven't been keeping an eye on it, but uh, I'm excited. Wh- to... Which I which I have to be honest, there's a level in kaiju fandom that is a little bit relieving about that. Yeah, like there is kind of like now that like a lot of like the quote unquote possible secrets are people have known about it for a year yeah like everybody's just kind of having fun with Mm -hmm. it going in yeah i've kind of noticed that about the kaiju community Uh, a little bit so well in either case i'm excited to see it and i know you folks out there are excited to hear our thoughts and yes we will do a kong uh, godzilla versus kong review we'll outline those plans at the end of this episode so just keep keep listening or skip ahead for if you don't want to listen to the rest of this episode but we do have a movie to talk about today uh and it's is, kind of the was that is that what we're calling it uh <laughs> uh we're well we're getting into one of these kind of kong outliers you know one of the kind of outside <laughs> you were oh, wait, sorry i thought you were gonna say a kong outline <laughs> yeah uh which uh is the direct sequel to the original king kong Son of Kong, also known as the Son of Kong, um, from the same year, 1933. Uh, a movie I definitely did not know existed until I had to look up what movies were in the King Kong franchise to make sure it was interesting enough for us to do. And I'm definitely happy that we're doing Kong. I'm having a lot of fun with this. Um, so to, to, to get right into it, folks, uh, this is uh, a movie with not a ton of of kind of backstory kind of information out there uh partly because of its obscurity and partly due to its quick quick natured production uh if for for again long time bonzilla listeners i would kind of compare it to sort of a little bit more than we could find about our man flint back in the day so uh we do have some stuff to discuss in terms of the production uh but it's not going to be like the we're not going to have the details on every single aspect about how this movie got made. Um, so basically, the story of the movie is King Kong comes out in March of 1933, and RKO is ecstatic. Because, again, I mentioned the last time, they were a studio that got hit hard by the Depression and was trying to kind of build themselves back up. Also had a couple of big flops at the beginning of the decade. And we're basically on the verge of kind of maybe ceasing operations to some capacity or very much lowering itself. Uh, Cause RKO, it was one of those like original, like five major studios. It was like right alongside, you know, 
releasing like with with Warner Brothers and Fox and, and Paramount and all those like early, you know, Hollywood studios that we kind of know and, and, and most of them have continued on. RKO is kind of the one that has kind of slipped through the cracks and did eventually sort of fall. Um, but RKO was one of those major studios that was on the verge of collapsing. Uh, but King Kong was uh, a production that really, you know, made its money for them and kind of rose RKO on its own back to kind of a prominent uh, standing. So they thought, well, let's do more. Let's just, let's, the King Kong seems to be working with the audiences. People are going out in droves and their 10 cent and 15 cent movie theaters just keep coming back. A lot of repeat views. Let's get a movie out and let's get a movie out as quickly as possible. So RKO and the producers there uh, notify Marion C. Cooper of their plans for Mer Kong. And initially Cooper is super excited because he still has this fascination with monkeys and gorillas. And so he's like, great. Like, I'm, I'm happy to do more Kong, but then they drop the bombshell that like, okay, we want the movie out by the end of the year. So you need to start immediately. And that kind of was a blow to Cooper and a blow to his relationship with RKO. And though he did, you know, produce this movie, this was a souring on the relationship between the two sides um, because Cooper felt that this movie was very much a rushed out production. Um, so Cooper decides to kind of step back from the director's chair uh for this one um you know he wasn't really a director to to the same extent that you know um you know Sazanek was which was his partner on the on the first one Cooper was more into the planning stages and just sort of like came in to kind of help with that initial production so Cooper kind of takes on a more producery role for this one and Sazanek is the sole director of the picture um so obviously they need to write this movie extremely quickly and so they just get back, you know, that first movie had like a bunch of different writers and, you know, kind of went between Mary and Cooper writing an initial draft to a bunch of different stuff. This one, they just go straight to Ruth Rose, uh, who was, uh, you know, the final uh, writer and the final credited writer on that original production. And basically they quickly brainstormed some ideas. Uh, Ruth was interested uh, in sort of bringing back some of the original cast, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but her main thing about writing this movie is that what she said about it was that you can't make it bigger, make it funnier. So the idea was we're not going to make something as epic as that first movie was for that time period. So Ruth purposely inserted a lot more sillier ideas, a little bit more kind of absurdity into the script to basically say like, okay, well, let's just make it enjoyable in a very different way. So basically Ruth pumps out that script uh, and they do get, a good amount of the original cast back, uh, which we have um, Robert Armstrong back as Carl Denham as back as our main character. And Armstrong actually said that he preferred this script to the original one only because it gave his Carl Denham character more to do and more of a kind of an emotional journey as whereas the first one was, you know, very simplified version of kind of like he was just kind of this asshole where he felt that this movie actually gave him something to dig into as an actor. Also returning was uh, Frank uh, Riker as the captain, Captain uh, Anglehorn and uh, your favorite, bu- your favorite guy, uh, Victor Wong uh, does return as Charlie I, as well. I, I was wondering if that was the same actor yeah uh and i will say for their brief appearances um the 
Native Chief and the Witch Doctor from the tribe are also the same actors. <laughs> um, so, uh, but we do have a new female lead. There was no indication that there was ever an idea to bring in Frey Wei again or bring in the romantic couple again. I would assume because Ruth didn't find a conceivable way to get them in the script. And basically it's like, well, they wouldn't join the captain or they wouldn't join like Carl Denham because he screwed them over. So basically they're off to the wayside. We have a new female lead in this movie, Helen Mack as Hilda Peterson, whose name is actually never mentioned in the movie, only in kind of the opening credits and um, in the script because otherwise Carl Denham calls her kid. But she, uh, Helen Mack plays Hilda. And the idea was, is that she was, uh, Helen Mack, the actress, was a new acquisition for RKO. She was originally uh, one of the Fox darlings. Uh, one of the, uh, she is actually noted as one of the many young and up and coming stars that Fox had at the end of the 20s. But she got caught up in sort of this cycle of being a, uh, this kind of typecast as a um, kind of always a very innocent character. And it kind of sort of lessened her draw. So she was dropped by Fox and brought in by RKO. And RKO's idea with her was like, well, she's kind of known, you know, for people that know her, she's kind of, again, been, you know, typecast into this more innocent role. So let's kind of put her into movies that give her, you know, still has this kind of innocent quality, but gives her a little bit more of an edge to kind of, you know, give her something else, you know, and kind of rebuild her career. So this was like why she was inserted into Kong was because she was this attracted actress and they thought, well, this character still has an innocence about her, but like, you know, she's the type of character who like doesn't back down from the guy who killed her father type of thing. Like there's a little bit more of an edge to her or doesn't back down from, you know, the, the son of Kong. So that they thought that, you know, it kind of would revitalize her career. But again, as we talked about in the last movie, like a lot of this was sort of the nine to five nature of kind of filming at that time where it's just like, okay, well, these were all kind of RKO actors, people at the studio. Okay. Here's your next assignment. We're making another Kong movie. So, you know, that was kind of the thing too. Um, and then also uh, John Marston as uh, kind of the film's villain, Hellstrom, um, which we'll get into just again, just another kind of actor that they just needed, you know, needed a guy who could play a Norwegian dude. That was basically the case with him. Um. So again, uh, the script was originally originally a little bit bigger. Um, there was originally kind of a, a longer scene with the tribe that featured you know more of a chase from them and kind of more warfare with the with the tribe. And there was also a dinosaur stampede that was scheduled for the end of the film. But both eventually were like, we just don't have enough time and don't have enough budget, so those sequences had to go. And so they took the kind of they took those sequences out, took the script, and just was like, okay, we need to start moving. We see some art filming. The reason that we don't know a lot about this movie uh, is because we don't actually know really anything about the special effects or the true filming of the movie. And the reason for that is that Willis O'Brien has never, or never, and he's not alive now, but had never ever talked about this movie because um during this time his wife tried to commit murder suicide on their kids and her Jesus. and she's unfortunately she succeeded killing the kids but she survived the suicide attempt but o'brien was just kind of a shell of himself during this production 
Um, it's noted by Ray Harryhausen, who I, I mentioned we'll talk about him a little bit in this episode. Ray Harryhausen was Willis O'Brien's, uh, his protege. And so when Harryhausen worked with O'Brien, he tried many times to kind of get O'Brien to chat about some of the effects of this movie. Um, but O'Brien, whether it was because he didn't want to bring up the memories or he had, you know, kind of trauma, traumatized himself to block out the memories, O'Brien just never talked about the movie. Um, we do know uh, from a little bit about some other people that were in the effects studio that O'Brien was also frustrated because with the first movie, Cooper and Sazanac didn't really know anything about those special effects, so they just kind of left them alone. And then for this movie, apparently Sasanek and Cooper, you know, kind of did the, the the stereotypical what people think of Hollywood producers and directors things were like, oh, they did one movie with it. So they know what to do and they step in and they give their own opinions. And O'Brien was just like, you know, like to be left alone. And with the tragedy in life, it just seemed like it just wasn't a fun production from from the from the uh, from the special effects side of things. Whereas with Kong, with King Kong, we know so much because. Uh, you know, again, that film has been very well documented, but with Son of Kong, you know, unfortunately, we just don't know that much. It's just the story of those special effects and sort of the making of the movie has never been truly told, um, which is another aspect that I really briefly wanted to talk about, because really, again, that's it. Like they just kind of make this movie. Um, one thing I guess I should mention before I go into my last point is internally uh, the the King Kong, the, the Son of Kong model. Uh, was named Kiko, which was again King Kong kind of smushed together in a cutesy way. So Kiko was the name that like the script called him and the internal production called him, um, but that was never used by any of the marketing. Uh, so the official term that the marketing used was Little Kong. Mm-hmm. Though some fans of the movie still do use the Kiko name as kind of a, a way to refer to the the son of Kong. I believe as well the Son of Kong model, the Kiko model, was some reused of the long face uh, Kong that was used in the previous movie, uh, colored uh, to an albino color, to color white fur. The two existing models of this Kong actually are owned by, one was owned by film historian Bob Burns and the other one by Peter Jackson, which is no surprise because Peter Jackson does like to collect a lot of film stuff. But the last thing, actually, because, again, this really is it, guys. Like, I, I did try to dig as much as I could, but there really isn't that much information. And one of the other things I wanted to talk about very briefly is just sort of this idea of the types of films that are like Son of Kong, which are the films that kind of are at least temporarily lost to time. And I don't mean lost as, like, it was legitimately, like, lost and then discovered. Like, we, you know, Warner Brothers uh, or RKO has always had that and it's kind of under the Warner Brothers library now but it's just like these types of films where it's like these are the films that get made and then they're put out and then they're kind of just forgotten about you know and I think it's really interesting especially in this era of like the streaming services and every company needing to put out like a big amount of like their library content now that each of these things, I just find it interesting. Like these types of movies, it's just like, you know, if you were to ask somebody on the street, like name as many King Kong films as you can, like nobody's going to mention son of Kong. It was a movie that came out and just kind of went out into the ether. And that was kind of it for a while. And then kind of movies like son of Kong, you know, kind of come back because, Oh, it's King Kong a little bit, but 
I just feel like there's movies from every era. Like when you flip through like Amazon Prime and you see like all these random movies from the 80s, like like Once Bitten with Jim Carrey, where it's like a sex comedy with vampires. Like that's a movie, like for all intents and purposes, it went out, maybe nobody saw it. And then it just goes into the ether until it's on a streaming service somewhere. Or it's like, hey, did you know that Jim Carrey's movie was this weird vampire movie? And I find it interesting because it's like Disney Plus has a lot of these with the Disney stuff. Like again, the company doesn't promote like the seventies and eighties as much as they do all their other eras. So those, the, a lot of those movies of like, like treasure of Matacumbe and like all these other like weird million dollar duck are just like movies that existed and then never hear from them again until you kind of, again, come across them. But I find these <clears throat> inherently interesting because I think this is part of the story of film, you know, like King Kong is so well, the original is so well documented because it's so important, but we can't, we don't know anything about, son of kong because it just was never a movie that people cared about it just happened and it made and it was out there but so i'm kind of of two minds about this though because one so when i first hear kind of like you 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 talk about that it's almost uh, my instant reaction to that is like but yeah but isn't that just kind of like any time period of of like film i mean there's like things that came out last month that i have just no idea exists well and then it's like stuff that it's like oh like there's a benedict cumberbatch movie on this channel i had no idea that that existed exactly if i would but if i would have met yeah i guess so what i'm saying is like that's just kind of par for the course but i i would almost amend it by saying like you know there's definitely cases where it is a little weird that you don't know that there is a direct sequel to King Kong, one of the most like iconic icons in film. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of weird that you don't know that there was a that there was a second one. It's kind of like that you don't like I don't think does the average person remember that there was more than one psycho movie? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. things like that. Right. And um, I, I did- yeah. But, yeah, but I think it's really again, I, I was kind of saying of any era, because I think a lot of times, especially when you get to kind of the online film discourse it's either like hey here is you know my discussion on like the greatest movie of all time or here's my discussion on this kind of hidden gem but there's kind of stuff that's in between those two that are just movies that came out and just happened to be and i think that's again it's like (laughs) i guess what i'm trying to say is that's most movies well that's a lot of it is a lot of movies and i think there's I i mean yes you could also do it to like music and stuff but i just I find it interesting. I just, especially now, because this is like the time period where these movies can be probably most easily rediscovered, you know, like just like stuff yeah, like but, but this. At the, but at the same time, it's almost like more so because of just like the amount, of, the amount of content too. I think right. it's like, a, so it's like, you're just not, I mean, I, I almost take the opinion of like, it's fundamentally not really that different than, you know, what it normally is. Right. Like, it's just, like, because there's always going to be stuff that you didn't know. Right. Like, how many people know that there's a movie out there where Russell Crowe plays, like, an artificial intelligence where he's fighting, I think, Denzel Washington? I think that's that movie. Right. Where... My my go-to is always, like, there's that famous comic strip Blondie, which is, like, with Dagwood and the big Dagwood sandwiches and stuff like that. And in, like, the 50s or the 40s, there were, like, 25 movies based on blondie like the comic strip and like nobody would know about that it just happened to be like hey the studio made 25 movies based on this comic strip and 
my favorite fact about it is that they named them all like Blondie goes to Hollywood or Blondie takes the fishing trip, like just like that. And audiences were so sick of them at the end that by the last five, they renamed them stuff completely different. So audiences wouldn't know that they were going into a Blondie movie because they had already like just made a bunch of these with the people that they had. But I know I just always find it interesting that these are just the films that are never talked about. I I actually have a, a fascinating extension to this. I would be more curious of how many people know how many King Kong movies that there actually are. That was easy yeah. to say, like, so I don't know this. I, I don't know. Maybe since I'm a little bit newer to Kong or I'm not as entrenched in Kong. So I don't know if like things like that people know that, like, does their mind go to the fact that there was a Jeff Bridges version? I don't think so. I would, I would stand to imagine that if you ask the average person on the street, like name, name the King Kong movies or name as many, you know, like whatever. I think their minds would go to like that the original exists. I think because they just know the iconography. I think that that 2005 version is memorable to a lot of people. Yeah, I think that may be. I honestly think that may be the last Kong movie your average person would. Right refer to right i think it just depends on their level but i think those are the two almost almost guarantees and then i think i think the interesting part of it though is i think that certain people would have different answers like i think there are a number of people that would have sort of this you know memory of the original king kong versus godzilla because we talked about that movie was an indelible thing to a lot of people just because it was like the one kind of godzilla film that you know early on had this big american push to it or some people might like go right to like skull skull Skong, uh, Skong, Kong Skull Island, but maybe some people don't know about the more modern stuff. Like, I think like you would probably get most people talking about the original and the 2005, and then I think they would kind of splash in like the other one that they may know. Well, about. I think the the thing about Kong too is that despite being as iconic as he is, he's pretty much synonymous with that story. Yes, Kong. Whereas something like Godzilla is more synonymous with a vague like. He destroys cities and fights monsters. So yeah, oh like, for sure. I, I, I think a person, I, I think a person may kind of just intuit that there's a big franchise of Godzilla movies versus like, oh, how many times did they? Maybe they. I think they only remade Kong once, right? I think right. there's only two of and them. I think it's also you're very correct in that, like that original story, which 2005 remakes, is such the image of king kong right like the they go to the island they take it back to new york he falls off the empire state building like that's the image that people have so the fact that there are these other outliers you know like son of kong or you know stuff like the 70s kong which again from what i know like kind of shifts that story slightly like that there are kind of different versions of that story i think are very you know interesting i just think that that first one is so iconic and that that's what people know that they know that story you know what it is, especially with film. I think it's because the more singular and specific, like whatever the story, the character, or the work is, I think people just don't. And whether this is intentionally or just kind of like forced upon the culture via, you know, the short-sightedness of how you know the the uh, initiated talk about film is that you know because it's so specific of a vision like that there shouldn't be more to it. And I'm not saying that they're saying that about Kong, but when you think about it, like 
you know, everybody, if you ask a person about James Bond, if you ask a person about Star Wars, if you ask a person about, at worst, Transformers, there is, they may not know the number, but they already know that, yes, that is a franchise of films where there's a bunch of them. Uh, there's a bunch of different Batman. There's a bunch of different um, uh, James Bonds. So they just kind of know that as just like the cultural thing. Whereas like with Kong, they probably wouldn't. And that kind of goes in the same case where like how many people know that there are sequels to Psycho? How many people know that there are sequels to Jaws? Because traditionally... That's the type of movie that either does or shouldn't have a sequel. So I don't think, but because I think that whereas some of those other works, like the James Bond work is more conducive and understood by the culture to be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Whereas something like Kong, I think is a very distinct, here is the story of Kong. It's the beginning, the middle of the end. It's, it's, like people almost look at stories like that like the Hansel and Gretel story like nobody's like really like asking like or at least in their head their their answer their next step isn't towards well what happens to Hansel and Gretel next yeah other than you know Jeremy Renner not being happy on a press tour like so it's like but but that's kind of what I think about it I think Kong may fit in that thing where everybody just the the story is so specific and singular that people just kind of gloss over the fact yeah. that there's more of them. And it also doesn't help that the Kong franchise, as you mentioned, is a, is a franchise with big gaps too, because you have like these 33 ones. And then, you know, if you, if you count the, you know, King Kong, the original King Kong in the sixties, but you really don't have like the big mainstream Hollywood version again until the seventies. So that's like a span of 40 years. So you just kind of, again, you kind of have this 40 year gap, if anything, where you're just be like, you know, the big one kind of gets re-released and remembered. Like, you remember RKO would re-release it every couple of years as they would with, you know, most, a lot of successful movies at that time. Whereas like Son of Kong is not successful. It's never kind of re-released. And it's just sort of like, if you happen to know, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing. And, and the other thing too, it's like funny that like, you know, given that everybody like says like America is now like the franchise machine, whereas like Godzilla was the one who went way more longevity and franchise than, than Kong did where it was like, you know, obviously they pumped out another movie because it's Hollywood, but but the other thing too is like with Kong, there is a level of, and I think I may have, maybe I had said this during like when we initially started talking about Kong. So correct. So let me know if I've said this already, but that the fact that Kong's like cultural status almost took the place of the fact that he didn't really need like the movies yes instead of having movies he's just basically in all other media like yeah <laughs> I, I, to can, a certain I can say that too because like again personally for me like i definitely you know knew about the movie but for a long time like i kind of viewed kong as like i kind of knew him as like oh he's kind of one of the mascots of the universal studios theme parks like he's one of the things that like is such associated with like the theme park stuff that universal does um and that was kind of where my kind of image of Kong was like, oh, he's this big, big Hollywood icon that, you know, was, again, an early anchor of what Universal Studios parks were doing, you know? So, mm. like, you know, I think they would kind of use him a lot in the advertising for that stuff, even like when I was a kid. Yeah, no, but I agree. So I just wanted to bring that up again, not much to go off of in terms of the pro- pre-production of, of Son of Kong. And I should mention this now. The original title is The Son of Kong. 
And somewhere along the way, the the just kind of got dropped occasionally. So you'd see it as the son of Kong and son of Kong kind of interchangeably. But I believe the most recent Blu-ray release of this movie uh, calls it just son of Kong. So that's what I'm calling it. Son of Kong. Just like Facebook. Drop the the. (laughs) Exactly. All right. You ready to to get into this uh, motion picture? Again, if that's what we're calling it, then sure. All right. Let's do it. If you talk very calmly, sometimes that keeps animals quiet. on your old man. I must be completely cuckoo to be doing this. Giving you a first aid treatment instead of running like blazes. This it must be remorse or something. You see, I'm the guy that knocked out your pop with a gas bomb and then carried him off to New York in chains. I've been sorry for it ever since. Yeah. Yeah, you see, the poor old geezer got shot at the finish and I guess if I'd left him alone, we'd we'd all been better off. This is sort of an apology. Hey, uh, boy. good deeds in one day for something that size we ought to be caught up on our good deeds for a year son of kong uh this was actually one i was kind of really excited to dig into because this is the type of stuff part of the reason that i really wanted to do the king kong franchise are again like kind of these weirdo films you know like the the 70s one is included in that even though it was kind of a big you know release that like just like kind of the films again like we just talked about it i kind of do the original king kong and i knew 2005 and then you would kind of look it up and be like oh like there's a weird sequel to the original oh there's a jeff bridges one so these are the types of movies that i was very uh eager to kind of dig into and just see what they were see you know what it was about because that was always the fun of doing Godzilla with you was you know especially the Showa era was just like you never knew what you were going to get because every film was just kind of different so to kind of figure out a film that was like just again it was kind of a a big deal quote unquote because it was a direct sequel to the most popular movie at the time just uh just fascinated me uh I was uh not particularly looking forward to the movie and um I was more or less proved right (laughs) You know, here's the thing. You know what? I, I'm I'm gonna say this right now, and it may surprise you. I mean, and I, and I should I should stipulate, other than the fact that we were going to talk about it, that was the most 
exciting part that or at least invested i was but the actual watching of the movie for the for anybody who may have picked up on my tone last week i was like uh yeah you know i'm watching it because you know we got to talk about it but um i'm gonna say this mm -hmm. this is the movie that benefited by me having basically zero to maybe negative expectations on Mm -hmm. i'm not going to call this a good movie I'm not going to call this like, you need to go and see it. But honestly, I had a fine time watching it. It was just like, you know, not is just over in like, you know, basically like an hour, nine minutes, like not really like a big part, like not like a two hour thing. I just kind of enjoyed it for what it was. And I, I again, I'm looking forward to talking about it for you. But I was just like, yeah, you know what? Like, whatever. I had a good time. Yeah, I think for me it was more so like I was just unsurprised by what it was. Oh, I, I was it, very. It, 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 it was it, it, I, in in my not looking forward to it. It was more so in a way where, listen, I do have a busy schedule, <laughs> and the fact that I have to like sit down and watch, like I just I know what it's probably going to be. Yeah, I I know what it's probably going to be, so I can't like so like man, I could be using this hour ten on anything else. And I have to say that was a big saving grace. That that was the only thing that kept me from really dreading it was the fact that the runtime was essentially a TV special plus. <laughs> yeah. And but what I will say after watching it is that it didn't completely, it didn't bug me. And there was a moment that happened that kind of saved it from bugging me completely. And ultimately how I would describe the movie is that there's two or three bits of lunacy that just save it from being Godzilla raids again. I think that's actually fair. I think <laughs> I, I think it's definitely not like a full picture, but I do think there are a few kind of you're right moments of lunacy and kind of absurdity. Oh, in the last maybe half hour of this film, there's just enough lunacy where I'm like, okay, that this is what made it. I'm glad I watched it now. Yeah. Because of some of the stuff going on here. But that first like hour was some raids again territory for me. <laughs> uh, but the problem was, is that it was for the States. So I'm a little bit more familiar with like the, the, like the, the visual and filmmaking language of it just culturally. So it bothered me more. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause there were things, there were things that this movie did. There were things that this movie did that made me be like, how does anybody like old movies? <laughs> like there was some of like the worst of like, and I have some very, very, you're going to find these funny, very specific things. Like, I'm like, I can't believe we used to do that in, in, in movies. But at the same time, what I will say about the film is that it, it, it felt like a movie that was made by six people and three of them were kind of like interested in it. And then the other three were not as interested in it. And then everybody kind of worked. Their schedules kind of made all three of them collaborate with each other in different numbers so like <laughs> this is a really weird example but it, it felt like a movie where one day it was like two guys who were interested and one guy not interested then the next day it's only the three uninterested guys <laughs> and then the next day it's one interested guy 
another non-interested guy and the other guy didn't show up who knows who that guy would have been because basically when i was watching it like there were things about just the story that i actually thought were pretty novel for and not as phoned in as i thought it was going to be mm -hmm. like there were like things like so for instance the fact that it is a direct sequel and it's basically just picking up because normally what you expect from a lot of like sequels to big and and frankly a lot of like lower budget movies still do this to this day is like they do the sequel but it's kind of like an in-name only sequel mm -hmm. like they may now because we're all kind of like continuity conscious like maybe they'll mm -hmm. throw in like something that relates it to the previous one but it's essentially they're just using the name and then they're making a completely different movie mm -hmm. so i have to say that was the bit that kind of surprised me like the fact that i thought it was just going to be like kind of like as if like you know we're doing kong in name only but it's as if the first one never happened and they're just making a giant another giant monkey movie with no relation but this one, it did. It, it followed up with um, what's his name? What's the director? Carl, Dun Carl Dunham. Yeah, the Carl Dunham character. Like the fact that, like you know, you know it opens up with like him kind of like on the run because like everybody's like holding him responsible for that, and and some of how that affected his character goes through the film. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised about that. Yeah, because the movie. If we just start talking about it, the movie, picks up one month after the end of the first one, which mm -hmm. I mean, kind of again. The fact that this was basically started like a month after the first one was released was, you know, kind of part of that. But basically, it starts off a month with after the first one. Uh, Carl Dunham is basically hiding in sort of his kind of apartment as as people continue to bombard him with like, you know, news reporters and, and like, you know, people giving him like, you know, um, you know, summons and stuff like that just constantly. um constantly bother him and try to get stuff out of him and this was always this was a part of the movie of again like it starts just as like kind of again what ruth rose wanted to do with the absurdity because the whole thing is like everybody is going to absurd lengths just to get into like the room with denim like the first guy like you know the landlady comes in after the there's like a guy like denim literally like opens his door like peeks down the hallway to see if it's clear and then a guy literally like peeks around and tries to like mr denim mr denim i just want a few words and then the landlady comes in and basically like he told me he was the gas man and he had a card and everything then another woman comes in and and the landlady's like oh she's renting the room at the front of the at the front of the building and she comes in as like oh i'm actually a reporter and i want a story so this woman like her job is to be a reporter. She knew Denim was staying at this place. So she just decided to rent an apartment, pay for the rent of her apartment to like get into the building. And then later we cut to people outside. And there's a, there's like one guy disguised as a guy who's like selling cigarettes. And there's like another guy who's like disguised as a taxi driver. Like everybody's just, just like going to the most absurd lengths to try to get the, the Denim story. Um, you know, and that's kind of, again, sorry, already setting sort of the tone that this movie wants you to, to kind of know. Sure. Uh, but, but basically like and then denim is basically like you know i'm being sued up the wazoo i have no money i have no life i have no career uh there's another guy who um gives him all the summons like this guy's giving him like 15 summons about all the all the people in new york that are suing him but the the summons guy is like super friendly with him because like you're you're keeping me employed i've never had this much business before that sort of thing he was such like the classic like new york sleazeball character like right 
yeah. guy. Like just exactly what you would imagine. Yeah. Like would have been like a like would have been a weasel in Zootopia. He was the mm-hmm. weasel in Zootopia. Is yeah. Essentially exactly what, what you say. And then, so then eventually we also are reintroduced to Charlie, uh, who comes in to the building and basically is like, "Hey, the captain wants to see you." Also, like he is credited as not by his name. He's credited as the Chinese cook or chef, the Chinese right. chef. Right. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was crazy. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things where I like I saw him and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat that they brought him back. And then like right below, it's like, oh, the Chinese chef. So then it's like, oh, so oh, they didn't even give him a name. And then right. I'm watching the movie and he has a name. Right. He's so Charlie. Like, so why isn't he credited as that? And also, he's like oh. brought back to like a a, a, a decently like he gets a good amount of screen time. Like he's with them on right. The and time. so you know that's just um, that's the time period we're dealing with on this right. one. So uh, then we get to this point where so like he's kind of complaining about everything, but then like Charlie's like, hey, like the captain wants to see you, and he's like, I'll get, I'll see, I'll go to the docks as soon as I can. And then then this is where we get the guy coming downstairs. Which again, he has a weird thing too, where he's like, he comes in trying to sneak in to find denim, and he's like talking to this lady who's like washing the floor, and he he's also like, I sell everything, I sell rags, I sell bones, and he like just like looks points at her bones, and she's like, you idiot, like get off of me, and then he like hides and gets denim, but he agrees to like sneak denim out of there, and the way that they do this is he's like, I'll get you out my like my horse and carriage, like it's right outside, it's like I, I got this, so denim dresses up in overalls and just puts a bucket on his head like he just like it's not even like he's pretending to work or anything he literally just has like a bucket like on his head and and all the people like the guy that's pretending to be like the the cigarette salesman he's like pointing and he's like wait how did you guys get in there and then the guy's like i i went through the chimney like santa claus and there's just this guy with a bucket on his head climbing into the thing and nobody says anything about it uh, and I, 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 I think it would behoove me, at least, to let the listeners know that if th- if this just sounds like riveting, like storytelling and just and like just such an engaging film, uh, you should know that it's going to be like this for the next forty five minutes, <laughs> because the the son of Kong, or essentially nothing Kong related happens until the last like. 30 yeah. 20 25 minutes of the yeah. film. Kong doesn't the the little Kong does not show up until 42 minutes into the movie. So, so you better buckle up for just the misadventures of Carl Denham and the captain. Nonsense. It, it, it's There's a few like choice moments I do want to mention there, before there's we get to. choice moments, but it's just it's so like I'm like oh my god like it, that's when I was like so cuz it it started off as like oh okay I'm kind of impressed that they're like actually taking in like the events of the last one and then then you get to a scene where you know now we're watching like a like a like a band of capuchin monkeys and i don't mean like a like a like a handful of them i don't mean like more than one i mean like an actual band performing on the stage of capuchin monkeys that was the most trainable monkeys in film um and then and then you just have to sit there and watch it that scene oh that that's 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 the film that we're that we're watching. That scene did go on for too long, but before that, we just oh, like, it, it went on too long. All right, I'll let you say your bit. I'll, I have a whole <laughs> rant about it, but so go ahead. basically, the 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 short of it is, 
the captain wants to see Denim because the captain's like, listen, they're after my ass too and eventually going to lose this ship. Let's just skip town and just be sailors. We'll just have cargo. We'll go to the West Indies and we'll just make a new life. And Denim's like, also at this time, the sleazeball basically is like, listen, I like you guy. You live right. I live right across the street from these docks. And I saw you come in. My dad saw you come in and listen, the grand jury just indicted you. Like there's no, it's just like the, the most vague, like, dude, the grand jury just indicted you. And I'm just like, that's how that works. Um, the grand jury. So basically Denim's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's get out of New York. I'm done with my career as the film director. Let's just go out and be sailors. Carl Denham, you don't understand. The grand jury is after you. The queen just uh, just basically banished you from Europe. And now you're excommunicado from the from the underground assassins that John Wick is a part of. You're (laughs) you're effed. Right. Is essentially what they say with it. So there's basically, they're basically the captain's like, listen, they're going to come after me too. I can get a, I can get the, like a skeleton crew together in like two hours. Let's get the hell out of Dodge and let's just go out and work in the sea. And Denim's like, you know what? I have nothing, I have nowhere else to go. Let's do it. Also like the scene where they're like reminiscing about their Kong trip where it's like, they're like, I wonder how far for Kong Island. Like, Dunham's like, I wonder how, you know, they're off and they're sailing. They're like, I wonder how far we are from Kong's Island. And then the captain's me like, we're 2,060 kilometers. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I happened to come across the charts last night. And, uh, you know, I was just curious as if they're like being nostalgic for their last adventure together, which got him into all this trouble. But there is a, I have to say, just in the terms of like the one, the little moments that did feel genuine, those little moments where it was kind of like they were calling back. Like, I don't know. I kind of like, I mean, I'm I think not gonna say they worked, but there was a sense of like, Oh, that's fun. Like, because like, it's not like a, it, it was being done with the energy of like, this was kind of like a, like one of their misadventures that had gone awry. Yeah. Like, and they were I, like, I, I think that it's funny. Cause I did mention that like, Last episode, I said, like, you could easily make, like, Denim a likable character. But in that first movie, they don't. They completely play a asshole. And what I kind of did appreciate was just the attempt that it's n- it doesn't always, like, function extremely well. But there is an attempt, and I think there is a little bit of, like, you know, kind of the quote-unquote reconciliation of Carl Denham, where, like, you know, they, they do present him as, like, a character who's kind of reflective and sort of regrets all the, the issues that he's sort of caused and sort of yeah i i think they i i for what this movie is i, I think they do enough of a good job right i i, I did enjoy watching sort of that kind of journey like i again i'm not gonna lie but then they get to the dock they're kind of looking for cargo and i think they're like their their thing is like the cargo they were going to pick up is already picked up by someone else and then yes dedham met, looks at there's an advertisement for this show and he's like Oh, like it's a show and I'm a former film director. We have to see it. And then yeah, we get to the band of monkeys. Okay. Here's the thing with this whole scene. And and this drives me crazy when I watch old movies. I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna be like, you know what? No, old movies didn't have everything right. Like, there's just things we do better now. For one, I like there's this thing that movies do where like if there was some if there was like a bit going on in the movie or if there was some sort of like show within the movie you had to sit as an audience and watch that like the movie would just pause 
like if some singer just came up on stage to sing you know like kind of like a like a like a little song and like a little dance number like the movie would just become that now yeah and now a days it would because when you think about it like nowadays like if they go to a bar um and like okay here here's two different i'm trying to think of like a, a scene especially in any of the the godzilla or kong movies we we've seen now but like let's say like in kong skull island like if they go to a um they, they go to get tom hiddleston's character right right and then it's like at a bar and i know this scene's different so i'm amending for the purposes of the conversation but let, let's say they go to like a, a nightclub or something and then they're going to tom hiddleston and then there's like a performer singing up on like the lounge like stage or whatever yeah and it's like singing like some sort of song or whatnot while um you know they're they're trying to recruit tom hiddleston now if you were to do that scene now it would just be like okay you cut back and forth you tell you keep the story going you tell the story and then you use the song as atmosphere and then every now and then you cut back and you see it, it you see her up on on stage there this era of filmmaking no the movie stops and you have to watch the whole song play you have to see the whole thing go and then the story continues every time i watch movies of this era they always do that and i wonder if it's like well it was the era of like well we 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 paid them and we put them on celluloid so it's gonna go in the movie <laughs> Well, you know, again, it was like, again, a lot of that stuff, especially early Hollywood was like, again, like we can talk in movies now. So let's like use it to that effect. And, and, and so like when the capuchin monkeys are doing their thing, I was like, OK, this is just bizarre. But I guess like in a weird way, I get it because, you know, it's Kong and it's apes and it's monkey. So I, I, I guess I, I can see what they're doing with that. And then they just pivot on to now we got to listen to our female character, our female lead listen to her sing and then it's like what why <laughs> right like why I think, are we watching this well here's the thing like, an, like if you were to do this again modernly you would do like a cutaway to the monkeys like and the, here's the thing you would do a cutaway to the monkeys and then you know you'd have like denim and the captain like reacting to it and then like it would be like the end of the performance and then you'd go into the song because you know the whole thing is like that would probably probably be like the introduction to that character and it's like a more important moment but when you have this whole band and then the whole song it just becomes too much like the song is more important because it's introducing I, this I, character. I am just i am just always casually baffled or no, i i should just generally baffled by how casually and flippantly older films will just throw the focus of the film onto something else for like two or three minutes yeah like, I, it's so bizarre to me so yeah and then the, the monkey part just went on for too long and it also wasn't exceedingly great it was just the monkey like you know it's like the fiddler monkey was just like well i mean it is a monkey it's impressive again see you're making me don't make me side with these people nick don't make me side with them because i understand they're like we trade that monkey we got him on film we're gonna spend we spent the money on it we're gonna put it up on the screen i can see why but like her it's like like especially going forward like she's not a singer like they make a few jokes about that but it's not like this is like in, in like in yeah, i didn't think it was like that bad but also like not incredibly great either but like they were like really putting her down and it was like this is kind of just like kind of that wobbly 1930s like 
Yeah, and like, like yeah, that's so true, dude. Everybody sounds this way in, right. the, in this time. It, it was just kind of like that, you know, that uh, you know, like kind of that vaudeville type of like cr- like wobbly singing that people did around that period, you know. But you know, they kind of they showcase the song. Also, the whole thing is like Charlie and Dunham are really the only people that are clapping at anything. Like Dunham's basically like Charlie looks like he's enjoying it. And then Dunham's basically like, come on, give him a polite laugh. Like, they're great. The monkeys, the girl, they're great. Come on, come on, give him a clap. Nobody else claps and they all leave. And then we get we cut to, you know, the girl, uh, Hilda, again, but just the kid to to most of the movie. And her, and her father, we find out that the, the, the host of this show is her father. And like, you know, Hilda likes taking care of the animals. But then her father is basically sneaking off to like, you know, meet with a friend and of course we get the like one of those again classic of the era lines where it's just like you're not talking with that friend again are you it's like he's a white man it's someone to talk to <laughs> like you know i actually thought that was a pretty fun degenerate line to say right like, and then like, oh what a degenerate right and then and then she's like someone to drink with you know you and know, then he's like hey <laughs> i thought that was funny he's yeah. like hey watch it <laughs> but then he does get drunk yeah then he uh, does get drunk with this mysterious norwegian man yeah. Uh, and eventually there, you know, he's basically who, who, gi- who gives a shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, the song is sort of it. Like, you know, they're t- I'm, just, I'm not saying to you, I'm just saying like, when you really, when that, that's kind of like, was kind of my, my attitude up until they got to like the Island stuff where it's like, who, who cares? What is this? All right. So basically again, the longer the short of it, they're taunting each other. The Norwegian guy is basically saying, you used to be a, a big circus man and now you're nothing. The The father is basically like, you used to have a ship and now you're nothing. The The Norwegian guy hits the bottle of like uh, wine or beer or whatever. He hits it over the head, knocks the guy out. It knocks over uh, like a lamp and the whole tent goes on fire. Um, and then, you know, he runs away. The Norwegian guy runs away because like, oh shit, this is all my fault. I got to get out of Dodge. Uh, Hilda is sleeping, but she wakes up and realizes, like, oh shit, like my father's passed out. There's a fire. I gotta save all the animals. So she lets all the animals loose, then drags her father. I did think that was funny. She she came in, she's like, Well, where's my father? And then the first thing she does is let out the sea lions. I thought that was that was <laughs> right. Like the sea lions and the monkeys. You got it. I mean, not every monkey can 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 play a fiddle well. You gotta save the fiddle playing monkeys. But she drags out her father which i thought was like actually is like a little more camera movement than i'm used to in these movies in this era of movies uh her father basically dies before telling her anything and she's just like you know oh shit things are bad um uh there was a there's a couple other scenes that happen i forget which one happens first i i I think one of the things about this movie though is like once you get into this and then you know and then she starts confronting like the guy about like you know her father's death so then we're kind of like establishing like oh this guy is now our villain yeah. technically and then it's like and it's done so just kind of casual mm-hmm. and it's also it's a couple of different things because it, it's at this point in the film where you realize like okay they're not getting to they're not rushing to get to any kong stuff right yeah in the film and then also at the same time it's like okay well then there's this so we're going to follow this plot line but there really isn't a coherent 
this is what the plot of the movie is. It's just yeah. kind of like this casual series of events or just kind, kind of, of that that and that happens that they just land on Kong's Island. Right. Well, it's like we're it really is it's just like it's the most directive sequel so it's like we're just following what happens to Carl Dunham after the the events of King Kong. Like that's really what the movie is and then it, it just takes a detour yeah but it, but it, it's funny because you're right and it's it's not it, it's that way but it's like even when you get into but then it's like okay now we're pivoting into this girl knows that like this guy is somehow responsible for her father's death and it, and it, i guess the thing is like it feels like like it like it's such like a big addition to the plot now yeah but it's just so casually thrown in there and then frankly not really followed through in a Not, in a strong narrative way <laughs> no like you think it is though like that that's the thing is like because i thought this actually started off i like kind of liked again kind of her edge and her yeah i thought she was okay i thought she was pretty good um you know and her just like basically like you know she's like basically threatened it's like you know you don't know what my father told me before he died you don't know what i did or didn't see unless you did know that i wasn't there which you must have known what happened to my father i know you were with him when he died you know or like you were the last person he saw so she's basically got, like they're kind of playing like hardball where it's just like, you know, but then there's another scene that happens around this time, too, where she's in the woods of the island or whatever. And she's trying to call the monkey back down and Dunham, you know, comes across her. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I thought this was kind of cute where it's like, have you ever caught a monkey? And he's just like, have I ever caught a monkey? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I thought that was it was dumb, but it yeah. was a fun line. Yeah. You'd be surprised. And then basically this kind of starts their relationship where she kind of puts herself down. It's like, I'm not that great of a singer. I wasn't great. At also, dancing. you know, actually, what I did like about that, too, is like that was actually and, you know, this may be this is where movies luck out that I think too hard about things. But w one thing that I did read that as or at least I experienced it as was like oh that that's kind of nice because like this guy's whole thing is like the world is after him because of this specific thing so the fact that like this this girl would just casually with no other pretense be like it's like what do you know about catching monkeys so it was kind of like a, it's kind of like that oh, okay this is somebody who it, it, it's like a nice respite from everybody else I'm dealing with. Like she has right. no idea of like my, my past and everything. So that I thought that was just kind of a nice story. Yeah, I, I did too. And I think again, it kind of showcases sort of this journey for Dunham that I did end up kind of liking parts of, mm -hmm. you know, she kind of puts herself down. It's like, well, I'm not that great of a singer. I'm not that great of like a, you know, I could have saved my father. And then, you know, Dunham basically gives her this confidence. Like, no, like, don't, don't say the show is bad. Don't say like, puff yourself up. Like just say, you know, believe in yourself. And then I I just like this moment too, where he, he's like, Oh, are you like putting, are you, you must be in the entertainment business. And then he basically is like, no, I'm actually a sailor. Like he's essentially resigned himself that like, yeah, that was my previous life. And now this is my life because, you know, I, I fucked up royally, essentially. Mm, yeah, right, right. But then we also go to this bar where we find out that Hellstrom, the guy who killed Helda's father, was also the man that gave Dunham the original map to Kong's Island. And there's that connection. Um and you know the the hell the hellstrom guy he's basically down he's he's basically made lots of enemies the for whatever reason the dutch don't like him he's just like the dutch hate him 
And he's just basically, he has no money. He has no prospects. And so he's just trying to latch on. So he's basically like, Hey, like you owe me something for, for show. I heard what happened. You brought the monkey back to New York. Like, Hey, like, why don't you give me some of that? And then, you know, Dunham's like, you know what? Like, yeah, you can take half of everything. You can take my half of my 11 lawsuits and an indictment on from the grand jury, <laughs> of course. Um, and then Mael, uh, Hailstrom basically very clearly makes up this story about a treasure on Kong's Island um, that like he, of course, didn't tell Dunham before. And Dunham and the captain buy into it almost immediately, even though it's very clear that he's like making up everything on the spot. He's like, yeah, the the native who gave me the map, he told me. Well, who gave it? Who he told me? Oh, yeah, he told you about the wall. Who 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 built, who put that treasure there? The, the same people who built the wall. Hey, let's go to Kong's Island. Let's get that treasure and we'll make we'll make ourselves millionaires. Um, and so that's the journey of how they get back to the Kong's Island. Um, is there, I think they think there's a treasure there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Dunham goes to say goodbye to Hilda. Hilda asks to join the, uh, join the trip because again, she just has no, her father, is not there. She released all the monkeys and the animals. So she doesn't have the animals anymore. She has no place to go. But again, again, one of those moments I kind of read into maybe a little bit too much. I think Dunham was just basically like, we're going to this place where a lot of people, I got a lot of people killed. The last woman I, I took there got extremely traumatized because I forced her into these situations. No, I'm not letting you feel that way. I kind of like you a little bit more. You stay here. So he basically like leaves her, says no. Uh, then we cut to the ship where Hailstrom is already basically sowing the seeds of, uh, you know, a mutiny because he's talking to this sort of what we presented as like kind of this like worker who's like, I hate working on this ship. And he's like, you know, the last time they went to that island, like 12 people got killed. And I, I, if I were the captain, nobody would, uh, nobody would be killed on my watch. So he's sowing those seeds of, of uh, mutiny on the ship. And then all of a sudden, Charlie pops up out of nowhere and then starts rounding up all the other people on the ship. And you're kind of wondering like, oh, like, are they starting something? And this is one of my, this is a moment that I laughed at so much because it's definitely a sign of just the times partially, but also the character and the point of view of like people making the movie is Dunham and the captain are on this, like are on the kind of the top part of the ship. And they see like Charlie and the rest of the crew start coming forward. And Dunham's like, wow you'd think we landed in Russia. Look, here comes the committee of the workers. Like, <laughs> Oh, unions. Aren't they a funny thing? <laughs> that, that did make me laugh. I thought that was funny. <laughs> right. Uh, but then they come forward and Charlie's like, we found something. And I like also, they bring back the guy who did the score, but the, they, they put so much score in this movie. Cause like the music here is so sweeping, like captain, we found something. Well, what is it? And they bring back and it's, it's Hilda. She snuck onto the ship, of course. And everybody's like, Oh shit. Like a woman snuck onto the ship, except not like necessarily sexist, but like, it's basically like Dunham's like, listen, I told you to stay behind. The captain's like, I didn't approve of her being on the ship. And it's like, I didn't either. I told her to stay away. And it's like, well, we can't do anything now. We're not going to throw her overboard. So she sticks in. I also like this moment where then Maelstrom comes in as they're talking to her. And I actually really like this moment of acting. You just see when he shows up, Hilda um, basically gives this like real nice, what the fuck are you doing here type of look. He's like, you and then they she was she was really good at giving those yeah those and then um 
so yeah, and then there's other stuff like you know Dunham and and you know her have some relationship stuff. You know, she basically says like you know if you you know the Maelstrom guy says like if hey if you Hailstrom, if you cause trouble on the ship, like I'm gonna get you kicked off. Like so she's like trying to kind of figure out exactly how she's gonna go about things. But then we get to the next big part when they arrive to Kong Kong's Island, which I always find funny because we know it is Skull Island, but I didn't mention this last time. But they actually call it like. Skull Skull Mountain is like the term that they like associate the right, skull. right. It, it's not, not called Skull Island. No, it's just Skull Mountain is a part of it, but that's just Kong's Island. So they get to they get to the island, and we kind of see like this like shot of like oh by real quick. I do have to say one of the little moments I was entertained by was this whole kind of like what was the mutiny. Well, that's what I was about to mention. I kind okay, of really got 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 it right. Okay, got I, it. I I actually really love this so. They go to they get the the island, and you know they're trying to figure out like okay like we're gonna get to the island we're gonna figure out where the treasure is, and then the rest of the crew basically comes up to Dunham and the captain, and are basically like you know uh, Hellstrom has told him it's like we know people died on like last time you guys came here and we're not gonna die for anybody so we're like we're kicking you off the ship and they're like respond the reason man like come on like we're not gonna get anybody killed but they're like no get off the ship. So they get they put uh, Dunham and the captain, and then of course Hilda gets on because it's like you you snuck in with him, so you get to go with him. And then Charlie volunteers because he doesn't like the rest of the crew, so he volunteers to go with them. Uh, and Charlie also was smart enough to sneak on the guns onto the lifeboat because he kind of saw this coming. Which I kind of also I just like you know again for all the like kind of again racial stereotyping I did like that you know Charlie's sort of like that aware where it's like oh shit like. They're they're gonna kick people off. I like. Let me like at least set us up for success. So they kick the four of them off. They they start rowing out the sea, and then Hailstrom starts giving these orders like, "Hey, like pick up the ladder, man the ship, bow the stern, whatever." And the workers, uh, the 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 uh, the other sailors start laughing at him, and you know like, "What are you doing? Like, what kind of orders are those?" And then he immediately starts like, "Oh, like now you're the mate. Now you're the first mate." And who's going to be the captain? I'm the captain. They're all like laughing. It's like, we're, we didn't kick off a good captain to have a bad captain. We're done with captains. That, that was the line. That was the line. We're done with captains on this ship. <laughs> so like, you know, and then basically like he, you know, he also like tries to like, you know, shoot them that like, they all like basically take him and throw him off the ship, which I, I thought, thought that was so crazy that they just threw because like all things considered, at least the others got like a pretty graceful exile from the ship this right. guy just got tossed overboard right he just got without because again it's like i like that the the sailors were smart like they knew they were sowing the seeds of despotism like to like you know he knew that they were setting him up but also they realized well they did kill a lot of people last time they were here so we're not taking anyone's bullshit the, the captain and dunham can go but you know they're he's still a good captain so they can they can go and try to survive this guy fuck him let's just throw him overboard uh, but they eventually like the, the Dunham and the captain and everybody are, are good enough hearts to like let them on their ship. Uh, the, I like this moment too with the natives because they, they they land on like the same beach that they did last time, and the natives come out and there's this like listen fuck you guys, you broke down our wall, you let Kong destroy our village, and then eventually yeah like you basically took away our like god creature like our protection. So like fuck off, get the fuck out of here. So then we want like I, I did like kind of that again moment where you know obviously they had to cut out a lot of the other tribal stuff that they were going to put in, but it was just a nice like listen, no, don't you come in here, fuck off. 
but then they they travel to like the other side of the island essentially by boat yeah and this is where we finally so this is finally when the king kong sequel starts right when they (laughs) they finally get to little kong yeah. So and it's so funny. So again, it's like 45 minutes into this movie, there's no King Kong stuff, and then they get to the son of Kong. And it and it's I it's like a blink and you miss it introduction. Yeah. Like he just shows up out of like out of nowhere. Um and then and what I will say this, I I'll say this begins the portion of where was this movie the entire time? Mm-hmm. Like kind of portion of the film. Um but yeah, so we are. I don't know. What, 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 what were you going to say about it? Well, we're introduced to uh, the son of Kong, Little Kong, as he refers to, Little Kong, who is white. He's albino. He sounds somewhere between like a random, like a background Muppet and like a Yoshi game enemy. Like he just kind of honks. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Well, uh, well, let's just let's just get it out of the way. I mean, the the Kong, he's son of Kong, but I'm just gonna refer to him as the Kong in this movie. The Kong in this movie is a cartoon character. Yes. Like it, it is a much more realized, animated character with personality. Oh, I thought the than fa- the last one was. I mean, again, like for all you know, again, you could definitely tell this was a cheaper movie in some ways, but the face work on the little Kong character I thought was great. I thought there was some really fun, like, like animated I, moments with his face. I actually thought that, I mean, it, of all the places where budget could show, I actually thought with the special effects and everything, I, I thought it was pretty much flawless. I, I didn't pretty, pretty much. I think I there's a couple like rough green screen stuff at some points. I think a little less like, yeah, dy- I mean, it's like dynamic like, stuff with that, which I think the first one, yeah, kinda, there, there, was, there, were, there was bad ones in the last one. Too. Oh no, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, so I, I actually kind of, that's what kind of, I think, put the movie into another gear for me when watching it was because the stuff in this <clears throat> last half hour kind of really delivered for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could probably quibble at, like, some of the details and the quality of, like, maybe some of the puppets themselves. Um, and, I mean, the biggest thing to it was, like, you could tell it was more so of a let's just throw things at the movie so yeah. it was a it definitely just from a, a, a conceptual stage it was less thought out because you know at one point so there you know they do have like dinosaurs in here like the there's a bit with a triceratops yes. it's really well done like i thought like this special oh yeah 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 that, that was good but then later on there's like just a dragon <laughs> Also, yeah. by the way, there's a bear. There's a giant oh, bear. We'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about that giant bear. But the bear was like the first thing where I'm like, okay, like there's no rhyme or reason to this island anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, well, because the first time they see him, excuse me, the first time they see him, little Kong, uh, is in quicksand. What a, you know, the whole thing is like Hilda, unlike Frey Ray's character in the last film. You know, she's worked with animals, so she's more kind of attuned to them. So her whole thing is like, listen, if we help him, you know, he, like he, animals generally know if you're like helping them, they're not going to attack you. So they basically help him out of the quicksand. And again, Kong is kind of, you know, little Kong is kind of thankful. Eventually, you know, they kind of split up where um, the captain, Maelstrom, Hellstrom and Charlie are trapped in this kind of cave by a triceratops, which again, that was a very nice sequence. 
Whereas like uh, Hilda and Denim are basically kind of exploring the island, maybe find like part of this temple where again, this treasure that clearly is being lied about might be when a, yeah, a giant bear attacks them. And I was, I guess I was like, well, if, if I guess this island had a giant monkey, then like, I guess like I'd, I, but it was, I, it was, it, it, it's just, I guess in your head, you just kind of get the, because it's like, it's a prehistoric island. Right. And Kong is kind of like the outlier. That's just kind of like fictionally what you have in your head. And they continue that with the Triceratops earlier. And then out of nowhere, a bear comes along. And I think and you're like, like, oh, what? There's a bear now? <laughs> and I think the whole thing is like, when you first see it, you're just like, oh my God, there's a bear. But then when Kong comes in, the little Kong comes in to fight it, you're like, oh shit, it's a giant bear. Like he doesn't even register. It's like a gigantic, <laughs> it doesn't register that it's a gigantic bear at first. You're like, and then, you know, again, they have this fight between little Kong and this bear. Um, so I, I have to say, I, I actually, the fight between little Kong and the bear is just as good, if not better in some respects, uh, in comparison to the T-Rex fight. And only because there was just like little things like, you know, it's a little bit different because it's like now you have kind of like Kong, which is like this ape fighting this bear, which is a four legged creature. Yeah. And the way in which they fought and just the fluidness of the animation, the just like the realistic things they would do, like how the bear would like kick and like things like that, I, I thought was really, really good. Yeah, I, I really like this fight a lot, actually. I kind of like, because it, it kind of becomes like a real, like, kind of wrestling match where they're trying mm -hmm. to put each other down. Because you could definitely see, like, you know, uh, the little, little Kong, like, you know, grabbing the arms and kind of putting that, and the bear trying to, like, put him down. There is a real cartoon character moment where the bear... I think you, I think you and I are going to say the same thing. The bear, like, pushes, like, little Kong into the rocks. And basically, little Kong... It, he does the thing like where in like a Looney Tunes cartoon, like the birds would be flying around his head where he's like dizzy and his eyes are like kind of like rolling around. Yeah, it, it kind of like the the what's the big idea? Like, it's just kind of like that kind of attitude. That was the moment in the film where I'm like, OK, I can't be this movie can't bug me anymore. Yeah. Like I was like, I, that was kind of like, OK, no. It kind of got me back on board. Yeah, like, so that, that dizzy, because it's like it. that, he has that like dizzy moment where again, like, again, you can imagine the cartoon birds like flopping around his head. Oh, and there's a, there's a moment in this film where he shrugs to camera. Yes. Like where, like every, like everything is happening and the, and the character's like, we gotta get out of here. And then they run and then Kong is like, just looks back and forth and looks at the camera and it's like, uh. <laughs> well, the, the bear fight. So again, there's this kind of bear fight. They're wrestling each other. There is a moment then where Little Kong like basically punches, like he, he gets the bear in a headlock and he punches and punches and punches and punches the bear and the bear falls down. Then he looks over to Denim and uh, Hilda, which are, who are on this kind of like top of this rock structure. And he's like presenting the bear. He's like, oh, 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 oh. and he's like presenting the bear to them. And then in the background, you see the bear get up. And I was yeah, like, oh yeah. shit. Like yeah, that's that actually kind good. of. That was, that was a really good. cool. That also happened another time in this movie where he kills. He, he he thinks he's killed it, and then he goes to give them the thumbs up, like a legitimate thumbs up, and then he's yeah. like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, but then again, then they do the thing where the bear kind of has this comeback, and the bear like bites his finger. But then Kong picks up like a a big like like a tree, like a tree stump, basically, or a, a giant tree, and just bashes the bear finally to death. Yeah, but yeah, his yeah. finger's bleeding, and then we get the whole. Uh, the sequence where 
uh, they bandage little Kong's finger up mm-hmm. and, and Denim gives his full apology. It's like, well, I guess I killed your old man. And, uh, you know, I brought him to New York. And if I hadn't done that, we'd all be better off, buddy. So I guess this is my way of uh, apologizing to you. And then Kong, you know, looks at his finger and kind of sucks on it. And that was kind of cute. Uh, and then one of the other things about this movie, too, that's like really bizarre is like, so then you have all these other characters that we've been following, including our villainous character, but there's no like plot line. Like when you really think about this ending, there really is no plot. And I know like saying like, oh, there is no plot is such like a tired kind mm-hmm. of like criticism, but there legitimately is no like there's no story there's no, no story right because the... like they don't come into play it's just like they kind of just happen across like then the movie remembers like oh yeah they were looking for a treasure and then little kong like shows them like the doorway to the treasure and it's like this is where the treasure is and then then you would think like okay the bad guy's gonna come in and stick them up for it but no and then it's just like another monster comes and then well, they just like that right because the whole thing is like denim and and hilda are get separated the the captain charlie and hellstrom are basically stuck in this cave by this triceratops for like you know a good portion of the movie meanwhile like you know hilda and denim decide to make camp and like Again, they're kind of having their like moments where they're like falling asleep, which again, another weird moment where they showcase like they're kind of, you know, she's kind of trying to fall asleep and, you know, they're trying to keep watch. They don't know like where everybody is. And then she's like, I, you know, it's like, I, you said I would cause trouble on the boat. And he's like, well, I'm glad you came on the boat. I'm glad you're here. And then you see Ka- little Kong like come around the corner. But then he does this thing where he comes around the corner as like he's wishing her good night, and then he puts his hands up to his lips like, "Oh, I didn't. Oh, I guess this is an intimate moment. I better back off." So he's like, "Oh shit! Like I didn't know you were there." And then when they wake up, you know, Denim and and Hilda are, um, you know, they're like, "Well, we we haven't seen the captain. We haven't heard from them. I wonder if they're okay." And then Denim's like, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna like put off a gunshot to see if they hear it or something." And then we see we see like Kong, little Kong sleeping in the foreground, and then Denim fires off the shot, and Kong little Kong's immediate like like wakes up and like, like what the fuck was that? <laughs> like and then that was that, there was just some fun moments with little oh, Kong. I, I thought, uh, uh, the last thirty minutes is a complete one eighty in terms of I don't know if it's still necessarily a good movie, but it, it becomes right. instantly more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, so they go into this temple. Um, Kong helps them break down the door. Little Kong. Then they go in, they kind of find this giant statue, uh, kind of, again, another sea serpent with legs type of creature, like a little, like, dragon thing comes in. Kong fights that as well, as you mentioned, the kind of thumbs up type but of also, moment. But also kind of, like, thinking, just kind of talking about the, um, uh, like, the creatures. So it's like, because then we have dinosaurs, and then we have, like, this bear, and then we have this serpent that really looks like it was probably from a medieval movie instead. Yeah. And... It it really just felt like, and and the thing is, like, the special effects are excellent. Like, Mm -hmm. the characters and the animation and everything just looks really good. But from a conceptual level, it just kind of seems like, well, what creatures do we have lying around that we can Mm -hmm. just throw onto this island? But I'm going to take the liberty, real quick, of just bullet pointing some of these final moments in this film. Please, by all... Because this is where I was like, what happened in this movie? I know so, exactly what you're going to bring up too. And so, I'm very excited. So they go, so they go into the movie. So they go into the cave 
And then the first funny thing that happens is like, then they get the classic, like Kong is messing around with the gun. And he's like, ah, oh, no, you big dumb animal. Give me my gun back. All right. So, like he's just like pointing it in his eye and he's like doing like the, like, oh, I put it in my mouth. Like, what is this thing? So now you think this may be like the traditional Kong hurts himself and maybe now he's not going to trust them or you, you just think something's going on, but it kind of just devolves in the best way possible into this just like toddler messing around with something because mm -hmm. then it because then there's like then the tension goes but then it just kind of peters out and then it's all like oh kong no don't do that oh look what you did and then you, he like you broke yeah you broke yeah, my like, gun you idiot it's like now it's like yeah it's like you definitely are fixing it yeah you look at you you're like big shot over here and then and little kong is literally like oh man <laughs> he just has his like he like breaks it he's like oh, i don't want to do that <laughs> so that was that was really funny so he punches out and fights like this sea serpent and a little nod where like to the first one where he like kills it and then he messes around with the head to see it's dead but then he like turns around and gives like a thumbs up he's like all right we're good and then he's like oh no we're not good so we do that and then they're like, okay, well, now we got to get out of here. And then Kong like literally looks at the camera and is like, well, I guess that's it, folks. So then he leaves. And then this is when you think, okay, well, maybe some plot is going to start with the villains. No. Right, because we, we, we're going to like, okay, like we see the other characters get out of the cave. So like, oh, there's all going to come to, they're going to meet each other. It's going to all come to a head. Hellstrom's going to do something, right? Like that's so, what you're so thinking. Instead, what happens is that they get in, the winds start churning, and what? what's our female lead? What's her name again? Hilda. Hilda. Hilda just screams, it's an earthquake. Wait, you forgot. Like, Wait, you forgot. A Go ahead. You forgot a moment, though. What, what did I forget? You forgot this moment where um, they they all meet together, and, like, at this point, like, Hellstrom's gone nuts, because this happens before that. Hellstrom mm. goes nuts, and... He's basically like on the edge and he's basically like, you know, and Denim's like, like we found because they did find some like some diamond, big diamond, like jewel thing in there. So they're like, he's about to say, we found the treasure, like, you know, what's the treasure? It's like, there is no treasure, you idiot. I made it up. And then Denim's like, oh, really now? And then because earlier, the captain's like, you better not tell Hailstrom about Kong or he's going to go absolutely insane. So then Hailstrom sees Kong come out of the cave. He's like, oh, shit. And he just starts running away. He goes to the boat. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm getting out of here." And then a giant sea serpent just. Oh wait! Comes oh no 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 no! I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cover this. I, I thought no, I thought this all happened. No, I thought there was no. That's definitely after. It's definitely after because then the earthquake happens and everything else happens. That comes up. Well, first. something something starts to happen. Yeah, because that's the whole impetus for everybody right. going crazy. It's that's like, right. So anyway, so, so there there's some sort of storm or something. Like right. something's going on. I, I think that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Like so, some sort of storm is going on. They have to get out of the cave and then sorry i did cut you off i might as well just let you say it. but he's like but he goes in and he's like all right well i'm gonna go to he's like i'm gonna get on this boat and then a giant sea serpent pops up out of the out of the out of the uh water river, like the river yeah the water and he's like oh my god and then he falls into the water and the sea serpent just goes down 
dunks in and picks him up and just drags him under in yeah. very good puppet work by the way right yeah the, the, I, that was one where even i was like "Ooh, that's awesome that, i think you, was... you can tell why harryhausen was so interested in finding out like what happened and it's just like you know brian never really, really told about it because there's and, some good stuff in this movie so then so then after that then they go outside and hilda's like it's an earthquake and i'm like is it because then like it, it seems like a lot more than an earthquake where it's like the winds start blowing. It's a giant hurricane. And then I'm like, okay, well now it's like a hurricane. And then as they're escaping, then the, the, the ground starts falling apart and the mountains start like caving in and the, and it's, it is complete insanity in Armageddon. And I'm like, what this the is F happened because this would be the thing where like if there was a more distinct like idol thing like this is something you would expect to happen where like indiana jones like anger like took the thing and angered the gods and like you know the whole you know it's basically like the ark of the covenant like opened up in so terms it, of but is the implication that when they took the treasure this is what happened i don't think because i'm like did i miss something no because i don't there's no implication of like actual like nat supernatural forces at work or anything like that like it really does come out of nowhere but you would think that there's like you would think that there would be a thing where it's like, you know, if they were going away, like the natives, like they say, don't go into the heart of the island because that's where the god, like Molly, you know, but there's no indication of that. It's basically like, you know, they're discussing this stuff. The guy gets like captured by the sea monster and all of a sudden, like, uh, yeah, a, a, a hurricane type storm comes out of nowhere and the entire island the entire island is just obliterated. That's why I'm like, did I miss something? Because like what started out as like heavy winds is now destroying the island to the point that i kid you not like like the ground is falling out beneath them and the, then they're like they have no other recourse the mount the they're, mountains they're, are crumbling down like the island is breaking up so most of them get into like this lifeboat save for um uh i keep blanking on his name dunham when, when, carl dunham. carl yeah carl dunham uh it's like when save for Dunham and and Kong and son and, and little Kong and it, it's like <laughs> like remember in the opening of of Disney's Atlantis when like the whole city gets destroyed and it's just like the one like part of the city just gets like sunk into yeah like the into the thing that's kind of what happens to that like the island is so decimated that it's really just the top of one of the mountains that they're standing on that's just like barely like sticking out of the of the top of the and, ocean and it's continually like it's like sinking and, it, and like it's the... and it's sinking and i'm like what happened that's then, all I could think. I was like, what on earth? And this is like the type of, okay, I'm glad I watched this movie for this level of lunacy. Yeah. Because like, because then, because if it wasn't a supernatural thing, I'm just kind of left there to believe, like, <laughs> I guess this was just the storm of the century. They just were in the wrong place. They were literally in an island decimating storm. And then, and then so then they're, so then they're sinking. Little Kong's foot is stuck. Even though at this point, I don't know where he would go. Right. And so his foot's stuck. <laughs> and they're sinking down. And then as they're sinking down, Little Kong grabs Carl and then, like, holds him up. Just so make him, he, he can so, survive, yeah. So he can survive. To, so And then you think he's going to die. And by the way, Carl is just, he's 
he's going for it in this scene. He's just like, oh, no, I'm dying. Oh, God, I'm in this giant hand. Oh, this is acting. So then they come up in the boat. And, and then when you just start to think about what you're watching, it's absolute insanity. Because then they drive up to a boat and pick him up from this Kong hand that's sticking just so ever so slightly outside of the ocean. So then your head knows that there is a whole nother Kong drowning right under them. <laughs> right. And then like and, they take him off and you see like, there's like a little shot of the bandage of just like, look like he, you saved, you kind of saved me from the quicksand before you bandaged then, me and up. And then out of all that, you have to remember that, okay, apparently the, pre, the, the subtext of this scene is they're really going for this, like, this subtext of like, man, he got Kong killed, but he was forgiven at the end of the day. <laughs> so then you're like, fuck this movie. Now this movie's trying to do something out of, like out of all this runtime. Like, but this you know, <laughs> those island natives got so. Oh yeah, and they died because the first time all these white guys show up, this very careful. <laughs> ceremony to appease like this godlike creature that they revere is is kong gets fucked up to the point where their giant wall gets obliterated and kong kills like a lot of their people and decimates their village and then kong is taken away from them the next time these guys show up they're like no get that fuck out of here and then their island just obliterates and they have no existence anymore like they got screwed dude nick the island is utterly destroyed. There's no island anymore. There, there, th that's the thing. There is no I, like when we say that there is no island anymore. There isn't. It 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 it's literally it basically was destroyed and then submerged into the ocean. Because you see, like again, like the little mountain, like you just see, like as it's like most of the island is submerged, and then you just see like one of the like the last mountains like crumble like it was a cookie it's like it's just like breaking apart in little like little pieces and then by the time yeah it's just like there's no island anymore i was like i must have missed something because right it, 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 it's like that was, it was just the stakes went from zero to a thousand so quickly it really did it really went from like <laughs> oh we found this treasure Kong's like looking in the camera it's kind of silly kind of goofy too yes the entire island is just blown I, up I, I, I think what makes it so funny to us maybe is like in a movie that otherwise where all the conflict can be boiled down to just kind of like these mild skirmishes that are fairly easily dispatched mm -hmm. like whether it be like Oh, with like the mutiny or the villagers or like the monsters, like everything is just kind of like a, a casual set piece. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm comes that literally will kill all of them instantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so absurd. It's. And then, and then we get to maybe the funniest part of the movie at the end <laughs> where, you know, um, uh they're having like um carl and hilda yeah they're having their conversation and it's basically they're the obligatory like uh yeah now they they've fallen for each other blah 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 at the end of the movie but it, it they kind of they they start the conversation off it's like man i was like kong really sacrificed his life for you and then he's like having like like a genuine moment he's like yeah that was like a real like 
you know, real, like maybe you can remember a little bit closer, but basically it's like, what a noble thing to do for, you know, I, I didn't deserve that. And, you know, and, right, I killed his father and like, hey, I didn't like, you know, I didn't deserve like that yeah. from him. Basically reminiscing on the fact that like, you know, this is a Kong movie and son of Kong just died and sacrificed himself for the human. That's like two or three lines or like three or four lines. And then it goes back to, it's like, so what's next for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well then cause Denim like cause I like, get, yeah, this this movie definitely has its priorities straight. Yeah, they they get found by a ship. That's the thing. Like they get found they eventually get found by a ship and they're rescued and Hilda and, and Denim are, are with each other. So yeah, there's some reflection on like, man, that was really crazy. So anyway, I got the tr I did get the treasure. Right, right. We are yeah, rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then first of all, I'm happy for Dunham that he, cause he's originally like, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, again, like what's next for you? Well, I guess I have nowhere to go. And like, you know, Dunham's like, well, you know, you're, you're going to get a cut of this. And, it, and he's like, well, we're going to split it four ways. Like a fourth for me, a fourth for you, a fourth for the captain and then a fourth for Charlie. And first of all, I'm like good on Dunham for including Charlie in that. You know what? Like that's Charlie, fair. that's Charlie, fair. Charlie was loyal to him. Charlie was a good hand. Like, you know, just good on him for like, hey, Charlie, you get, you know, maybe like maybe Charlie can achieve his dream of going back to China now from the first movie. You know, whatever Charlie wants to do. And then the, the last of the movie is the cutesy like, well, why don't you just split in thirds? Like a third for Charlie, a third for the captain and a third for us. Oh, like they're going to get together. And I'm like thinking like, OK, that's fun. But it's like Dunham still can't go back to the United States like he right right like, none of his problems are solved none of his pro like it's not like he's gonna go to the united states and be like i have millions of dollars so i'm just gonna like ignore the grand jury nope <laughs> like you're still like oh, you're still living in the west indies pal good luck with that and that's the end of the movie uh i mean if you have access to it i would say just watch the last 30 minutes of it yeah like, and it's not even like as a highlight thing. It's like literally just watch the last, like you're not gonna, you're not missing anything yeah. for the rest of the movie. Like at least to the point, like I, I just can't in good conscience say that like, cause you know, even for me, I, I always can, I always condone or like aside with, um, you know, you should watch the whole movie and get the whole experience. This one, it, it's just, yeah, I I don't think that there was really anything other worthwhile going on other until the last yeah. like thirty minutes. I, we we basically gave you all the rest of the highlights. Um, you know, it's really not that hard to find. Um, if you search "Son of Kong" on YouTube, you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely good stuff in the last thirty minutes. But honestly, like I said, I had zero expectations, and I just had like a good time just watching it. Like no. No real reason to like totally recommend it. I think some, again, I, I highlighted some of the lines. I still, that line about Russia still, still makes me kind of laugh. Um, but there, there's some really fun stuff in the last like 30 minutes once they get to the island itself. And um, it's just an interesting part of, like I said, an interesting part of this. This was made and then part of history. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, mixed reviews for the movie. Um the New York Times said it was a low melodrama with a number of laughs, laughs, and Variety called it fair. So basically, nobody really, <laughs> really nobody really like hated it, but nobody really loved it. They Can basically we bring that back as like a as an option for criticism. It was fair. It's fair. Um, so there was mixed reviews, and that did 
translate to not as high of a box office um, making of the movie. Um, as you remember, the first Kong was like one of the like, you know, made millions of dollars, was a very big success. People were going in droves to see the movie. This one, you know, again, we're kind of going the original King Kong released at the end of March. This one released at the end of December, December 22nd, 1933, just about nine months later. The box office total was 616,000. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 616,000. So uh, still made a profit off of about a uh, $270 million budget, or sorry, $270,000 budget, not million. That's way too much for that time period. Uh, so basically made a profit, but RKO wasn't really excited for it. And they're basically like, okay, well, I guess that's it for Kong. Uh, and they would just keep, you know, again, never really mention this movie again. Uh, the original King Kong would be released for years. Eventually, just general interest later in the home video age that, you know, Warner eventually had the rights to it and put it out on home video and Blu-ray eventually. Uh, there are some people that like, you know, uh, have a soft spot for this movie, most specifically for the Little Kong stuff. Um, but again, the fandom does refer to him as Kiko, which was, again, the original working name. Uh, which uh, upset uh, Cooper was also, again, Cooper was also upset. Uh, we'll talk about this a little more next time because he was eager to get right into a idea that he had for Tarzan versus King Kong. Um, but then uh, we'll talk about the good old idea of rights issues next time. Um, which next time is the movie I'm very excited uh, to talk about in our next mainline Kong episode. Uh, we are going to be rejoined uh, by someone that we enjoyed a movie of before on this podcast, a Dino De Laurentiis production. Uh, we're going to get into some of the, the reason that it took so long to make another Kong movie, some of the rights issues. We're going to introduce to a young Jeff Bridges in the 1970s version of King Kong. That I'm finally looking forward to. I'm That's very much looking forward see. to. Yes. Uh, but our next mainline episode will not be Kong. We'll be returning to Star Trek for another movie. I'm very excited for you to finally see. I'm very eager to get your thoughts on this. Uh, it's time to find out if we can resurrect a beloved character in the 1980s. And that would be Spock. And we got to go out looking for him because we have a Star Trek three, the search for Spock to get to. And again, very excited to discuss that one. I'm going to be very interested to see your thoughts. Exciting. And then also. Yes. Godzilla versus Kong. So the next time you will hear us is going to be for Godzilla versus Kong. So the way we're going to do this is similar to how we did the King of the Monsters review and how we were planning to do the No Time to Die review and how eventually how that will go. So that movie comes out, you know, at the last end of the end of March. We're going to give everybody the weekend to watch it. We're going to give ourselves a little time to watch and discuss. So we'll probably have that review out uh, like that Monday or Tuesday after the movie is released. Uh, so look for that. We will, you know, watch the movie. We'll talk about it. I know you guys are excited. I know we're excited to finally kind of chat about the full length monster verse and, and, and kind of where we are and where it stands and what the movie is. So, Again, we'll we'll take we'll give you guys the weekend. We'll give ourselves the weekend. We'll record it sometime that weekend and release it early the next week. I cannot wait to see uh, who finally comes out on top. It's us. 
which is probably in a uh it's probably in like a press release somewhere <laughs> whoever the- wins it's like whoever wins or loses the fans win ah! yeah we can't we can't say whoever wins we lose because that's no. that's a different franchise that ABP. someday that someday we could take a look at i'm i'm that's definitely on the table <laughs> um so with that i think it's time to wrap up cool uh bonzillapod at gmail.com twitter.com slash bonzilla 7 facebook.com slash bonzilla 7 like and subscribe itunes and soundcloud can't say it enough guys some of our last couple episodes have been some of our most successful in terms of its like early listens ever you guys are on top of it and you guys are giving us good feedback and good listening so thanks again these are a lot of fun again even with these random movies like son of kong there are a ton of fun to record so i'm looking forward to more cool. all right peace bye Must be in Russia. Here comes the committee of the workers. <laughs> <laughs>